Hi there, I'm Becky Hammond, founder and strengths maven over at Isogo and isogostrong.com. You already know that relationships are hard at home and at work, so let's make them easier with your strengths. And welcome to the Isogo TV video and audio podcast where you get to fuel family connection and work energy by focusing in on your strengths instead of fixating on your weakness. And today you are joining us for episode 93. And I can't believe it, but this is our last episode in our four-part series called Leaders Who Give a Damn, which is all about effective, inspiring leadership. And when it comes down to it, effective, inspiring leadership, the type that really gets this jazz to follow and who we follow perhaps without even thinking about it, is all about the people. And it's about all the people, you as a leader who is a person, the people you serve, as a part of your team, the people who you love at home, the people who are your peers, the people who are your own leaders. Uh, so whether you're in that role as a leader now, or that's you in the future, this series about the people, about leadership is for you. And if you need to get caught up, the last three episodes are up and I think you'll really enjoy them. You know what, because over this series, I had the privilege to partner with Murray Guest who hails from Australia and he's a guru on leadership. Organizations from around the world bring Murray in to help make their organizations not just better, but truly thrive. He's a master at one-on-one -on -one conversations and he truly inspires cultures by zeroing in on the leaders. If you don't know him and his podcast, Inspired Energy, you'll be thrilled to see his heart and learn from him. So definitely check that out as well. I, for one, am grateful to have partnered with him as we use this podcast series to chat about some of the aspects that leadership, uh, about leadership that, that are least talked about, but are perhaps uh, the greatest opportunity for impact as a leader. So today, in this final episode, we get to talk about leadership and that safe space that leaders have the power to create that creates an environment and a culture where your people are willing to take risk finding you trustworthy. And in the end, that type of leadership creates a great crown for great engagement, great productivity, great success. So let's dive into this conversation about leaders who give a damn. Hello, Becky. Good to see you again, talking about such important topics involving leadership. How are you? I am doing fabulous today. Thank you very much. I'm so glad we get to have this conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation, building on our last ones we've been having about so many crucial elements of leadership. And you know what? Every time we talk and then I go and see a different client, some of the little things we're talking about are coming up. So I know what we're talking about is real and it's important yeah. right now. Yep. I, I totally, I can resonate with that. It's like these themes are going through the real leaders that we work with every day. So pretty cool. Yeah, which is um, something that I, I agree, totally cool. And I know today's topic we're going to talk through is one which comes up quite a bit for yeah. me when I think about the leaders I'm working with, plus also um, my role as a manager in the past and how important this topic um, is. And we'll get to that topic in a minute. But before we do that, let's actually get out the inspired conversation cards. Yes. And I'd like you to pick a card virtually okay. through the air and uh, tell me which card feels right for you today. Okay, we ready? So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put the finger across. Okay, there. Yep, that one? Up. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Really, awesome. re really you want that one? <laughs> Let's have a look. So expired conversation cards, 
help us have conversations that matter, help people connect and be a little bit vulnerable and open up. Mm. So Becky, I'm hoping you're going to open up on this question. Me too. Oh, quite a simple one for this conversation, I think, because I'd like to hear this um, from you right now. What is something in your life you're proud of? Oh man. The first thing that pops into my mind is my family. What is something in your life you're proud of? Uh, my family. I um, So I am proud of the way uh, my family continues to rally and adapt to the adventure of life because we certainly um, don't live a settled life, but we live one of adventure and kind of one unknown open door to the next. And so um, it's it's been really cool. I mean, our, our oldest is eight, um, so we are kind of just at the beginning of this parenting journey, but we are certainly making the most of it because we're pregnant with our fifth baby. So um, I, I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of um, the way that David and I can kind of work through conflict in order to get to a place where um, we're on the same page about the adventures that we're in and excited to see what's in store. We were talking earlier about the tools that we have as parents available to us and the tools that we have versus maybe the tools our own parents might've had at the time. True. Um, and what I'm um, just proud of and want to acknowledge is the conversations that you have with your children mm. around what you're doing, uh, how we're doing it, that we're moving or we're not moving and the, the power in those conversations and opening up and creating that space for the, for your children to connect and, and really openly discuss things. Hmm. Thanks. Thanks. It's a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I know how important that is to bring them on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. True. All right. How about for you? Are you, are you going to share with us something that you're proud of? Uh, something I'm proud of. Well, I mean, family comes to mind first because I am, I'm very proud of uh, my family. Um, but you know, it's nice to reflect on our own pride sometimes, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It's true. Um, actually, what I'm, I'm proud of, uh, what, what I would say is um, my relationships with people that I've served mm -hmm. and how deeply I've developed those relationships in a way that sometimes is beyond the client relationship, but I'm proud of how much I've helped them in their overall well-being, their mm -hmm. overall humanness yeah. from not just being a leader, but just being more of the people that they're destined to be. Hmm. So very cool. Yep. It's, I mean, you can just, you hear your, talent flowing from that when you talk about it and really just being willing to lean into the talent. Cause I, you know, I think there could be the tendency, even though you lead with a high desire and need to connect with people like to just say, well, that's not really part of like a corporate relationship, but I bet I would imagine if I spoke to those leaders, they would say, well, that's not all. That's why we hire Murray to do these things is because he goes beyond what we might expect from just a corporate relationship. So definitely something to be proud of. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I know you do very similar work to me and the impact that you have in those conversations and connections is um, very long lasting as well. So 
Um, we often talk about people that you've worked with in the past and still having that yeah. connection and that, that impact uh, from many years ago. Yep. Indeed. Cool. That was a fun way to start. It was a great way to start. I think um, your cards, my cards are a awesome tool just to get people talking, totally. whether that's um, uh, in a meeting, in a project, uh, in families, wherever it may be. I actually had a client use them recently for interviews. Oh, really? So just, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Just to get people connecting and opening up at the start of an interview. Here, pick a card. Let's talk what comes up. Yeah. and. As I said, when, which I loved that this leader was doing this, what I said was, it's also just as important how they answer the question, not what the answer is. True, true. Like, do they go there, right? Like, do yeah. they, are they willing to, I mean, because most likely it's a surprising kind of question that they didn't really prepare for, you know? So, yeah. um, cool. I love that. Which I think links to uh, our topic today in leadership and a a foundation, I think, mm -hmm. around the role of leaders in creating a culture where people feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I've got a background in uh, physical safety where I'm helping organizations develop culture where people go home safely. Yeah. Um, so I have some experience in the importance in leaders and how they do that. However, when we talk about safety, we're not just talking about physical safety, are we? We're talking about the mental safety, the emotional safety, that well-being as well. Yeah. And I think it's such an important element of leadership. And when I say to you, create a safe space, what's mm. the first thing that comes up for you? You know, the, the, as I think about kind of trying to define, define it, the word freedom comes up a lot for me. Um, the freedom to fail the freedom to make mistakes, the freedom to, um, to even have accountability, to have tough conversations, uh, to have, to resolve conflict, um, the, the freedom to talk about how you feel and not feel judged by, by your leader, but also by your peers around you. So it's not just the leader relationship, but kind of the, the whole cultural overall mm. cultural relationship. And I think in the end, it gets back to trust. Like creating a culture of trust, um, which, you know, I, you're familiar with the strengths-based leadership um, research out of Gallup. One of the key needs of followers is trust. And so I think this safe space concept and this idea of creating, of creating a culture of trust, they're really, they're linked. They're almost, they're almost one in the same. It's about trust, vulnerability, um, and, and the freedom to, to really show up as you are, knowing that no one's perfect. So with that freedom, I, I get a feeling that there's some other elements that come with that. So it's not the freedom to turn up in your board shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> and it's not the freedom to turn up at 11 a.m. and leave at True. 2 in the afternoon. So how do you think we balance freedom with also creating a culture of high productivity and high performance? Mm. I, mean, I think there's a difference between freedom and um, expectations. You know, there's like within, I mean, it's kind of like if you, uh, I was having a conversation with a, a fellow parent recently and she was just asking like, Hey, like, how far do you let your kids, your six year old go from your house without watching them? You know, it's like creating these, these, this boundary that's like, this is, these are the expectation boundary and then allowing there to be freedom within that 
that boundary because you know that this boundary is going to create success in your organization. You've seen it happen over and over, but yet don't feel like you have to take one particular road or that there's not freedom to bounce around within it or to feel within it, but rather, um, but, but rather there's a real sense that those boundaries are pr protective and uh, productive. And then you have freedom within those things. Got you. Okay. And you talked about the four needs of followers and yeah. trust being one of those and the other three for the people that um, would love to know. So within the research of Gallup, they've identified those four needs of followers, which are critical for um, effective leadership and strengths-based cultures. So we have trust, compassion, stability and hope yep i also think it's no accident that trust is the first one there mm. and how important creating a culture of trust um is for everything else to build off really yeah definitely foundational um so what do you think um is critical to build that how, how do we build a, a culture of trust the culture of trust. Yeah. I mean, if we could answer that in the next 20 minutes, then we would be like <laughs> the best, you know, leaders of the best organization in the world. Because I think that's what people are trying. We're trying to figure out how, how do we really build that mm. culture of trust? Um, I think this concept of self-awareness is really the foundation in the first place to start that as a leader, um, knowing how, how do we show up? Um, we, we talked about that in an earlier podcast. How do we show up? What is the perception of, of us? And, and are we, how are we responding to people when they come to us with failures, mistakes, problems, feelings, issues at home? Um, are we creating an environment where, uh, where there's a collaborative conversation, ongoing conversation going, um, and, uh, and I think that, that just, it starts with the leader's ability to understand their impact on that. Mm, mm. I even think about these, the, the messages and the symbols that can be sent by a leader mm. when they de delegate work or they follow up on someone on some work and through the language they use and the way they speak to their team, are they creating that culture that I trust you to do your work that I know you can deliver that I have all the faith in you or the way I'm speaking is in a way that is eroding that trust that is saying, I, I've given you this work, I've delegated it, but I'm going to check up on you. Yeah. I need you to report back to me all the time. Or I, I need you to show me exactly how you came about that, um, that piece of work, not so much the outcomes, but how you did it. Yeah. So I think that that language and the way that approach of a leader is, um, Again, so important to creating the culture of trust, not just um, in times of need. Let's just say you just said someone comes to you with a problem, but in the day to day, how are you delegating work and, yeah. and holding people accountable? Yeah. Yeah. What is your response? Um, what are your words? I, I, and I think some of that is just kind of, it's, it's in, it's nuanced in some way. And so I think this, this constant, um, journey of understanding who you are as a leader, getting feedback from other people about who you are and how you come across that starts to give yourself awareness to be able to even start making steps towards take, making a safe, a safe space in your workplace. So I think some people think still that a safe space is a bit of a cliche, just a soft area. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do we get beyond that? 
<laughs> you know, I, there's a lot of research out there when we, we started. I think that's one of the reasons why I, I like take this journey to like from like freedom and it's like fluffy freedom awesomeness, you know, and it's like, uh, but really let's get back to like the core, the found, as you pointed out, the core foundation from the, some, this research. Um, I know you've pointed out before, you know, uh, the research under Brene Brown, um, what was that other person? One of the five, five ways. Oh, five Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Five yeah. dysfunctioning or five um, signs of dysfunctioning teams, like trust yes. being the number one of those. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's all throughout the literature, um, which I think at least gives us a place to start that says, this is not about fluffiness. This is not about like, Oh, you know, come into my office, onto my couch and let me tell you, you know, tell me how you feel, but rather, um, knowing that there's true business results that come from creating uh, a culture of trust in a safe space. Um, and so, you know, on your journey of self-awareness, just saying, okay, yeah, this matters um, mm. and putting it as a priority then elevates it to something that's above the fluffy, <laughs> something that's actually strong and impactful on the bottom line. And you can feel it, can't you? When you walk into a workplace yeah. and it's a safe space and it's not a safe space. For sure. For sure. I worked at an organization um, early on in my career and I, it's kind of interesting because, and I, you know, I, I pair this with self-awareness for sure, because I felt like, I feel like I was, I was not at a level of high self-awareness. And I think part of that's just being in my early twenties, but part of it was um, probably self-preservation as well. Like I wanted to feel per perfect. I wanted to kind of put this perfect lens out there. Um, but what it also did was it clouded my um, vision of what culture was being created. And it was being created from the top down. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of middle management at the time. Um, and in retrospect, I realized like every time I would walk into an, one of our um, centers, one of our locations, you could, you could just feel it. You could feel that people had their defenses up, that people were always, they were never taking responsibility for mistakes that had happened. They were always justifying it and uh, passing the blame down because they were scared that something was going to happen. They were going to lose their job. There just wasn't like, there wasn't a freedom to fail or to own their mistakes. Um, and, and you could, you could sense it. It was palpable in the air. And how did that I think I know the answer, but honestly, how did that feel for everyone that worked there? I assume it wasn't a happy place, an enjoyable no. place to work. No. And they got horrible customer reviews as a result. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there would be like the occasional like glowing one because about one particular person who was doing a great job. But for the most part, it was this, I, I walked up to the counter and no one ever smiled at me, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, so it just, it impacted every level of the organization. This was a service or organization, you know? Um, and so the impact was, was pretty significant. Um, and just to think that that started from that, there's not a culture of trust from the top and it's not trickling down to the people that are actually interfacing with the customers. Yeah. And, um, the flow and effect I can imagine to how people not just treated customers, but how they treated each other. Oh yeah. Um, I, I can imagine in that situation, am I going to go beyond my piece of work outside of my job description, mm -mm. do that discretionary effort, support someone else? No, I'm not because mm. I, I don't feel safe to, to step out, to help, to speak up, to, to um, be 
forming even relationships with my team members. Yeah. It was super clickish as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, because there's not a safe space created corporately, everyone mm. creates their own safe space. And I might even be having an aha moment about this right now. Like we, we crave this safe space. So we're going to go and create that somewhere. And as a result, it's like this little group here feels safe together. So they get together and they have each other's back and they're, they will, you know, kind of be on the side of the story of whoever is making up their story about why their mistake wasn't their mistake. And then there's this other group over here and this other group of over here. And so then as a result, you have these kind of factions that then continue to stir up this culture of, of conflict and, um, and, and, and just not, not serving their customer well in the end. And silos. Silos. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So then now silos. they're doing this, like this work together and they're not communicating to these other, other teams over here um, because they don't trust each other. <laughs> they have their own little safe space and there's not a corporate safe space. So I'm going to put a, a question to you, which um, we haven't talked about. All right. You know, that's right. scary. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think quite often when we talk about leadership, we think about what we want to inspire leaders to consider and create in where they are working and where they lead. Definitely. What if a leader is listening to this going, you know what? We don't have a safe space. It mm -hmm. doesn't have that culture I want to have. Um, how does a leader start to change that? Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, so we start with what we were talking about, this self-awareness. So, just even having that question that you just posed, mm. that's your first step, right? Like, ah, I realize we don't have this culture. And, you know, and that's, you know, what I was reflecting on in my twenties, like I don't, I didn't see it at the time. Two years later, reflecting back, I could. So as a leader, you know, even ask yourself that question, do yeah. we have a safe space? Look around. Are there factions of people that are kind of banding together? Do people immediately get defensive when there's something you know, when something goes off or it goes wrong, I mean, start asking yourself questions about the climate. Um, and then, so now you've gotten past that piece. You said, okay, yeah, we don't have a safe space. I see factions. I see, you know, all mm -hmm. these um, you as a leader have the power to, um, to start asking questions that create safety. Um, you know, we've, recently there's a, a concept that I've been thinking about a lot. It comes from the book culture code by um, Dan Coyle. And he talks about authority bias and he says, you know, there's a reason why we give celebrities our products because when, you know, Kobe Bryant is advertising a tennis shoe, we say, ah, this must be a really great tennis shoe that helps me be one of the best basketball players in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the same thing happens as a leader. It's like if this leader is saying this particular thing or leading this particular way, then I guess that's just kind of how we do things here and I'm just going to follow them. Um, yes. And we have to kind of start breaking that authority bias down in order to start creating a safe culture, a safe space. Um, and so some of the questions that we, that, that if I'm answering the, that leader who's saying, okay, we don't have a safe space, what do I do? Start asking some simple questions like, Okay, I just threw out an idea. Did we miss anything? Um, what didn't go well the last time on this particular thing? Uh, and we're not talking about pointing fingers. Well, that person didn't, you know, X, Y, Z. It's like, no, no. What, what didn't go well along the process? Not who didn't do what in mm -hmm. a way that you might imagine. Um, what's wrong with my idea that I just 
you know, can someone, can anyone poke holes in this idea and as, so, a, and, as a leader? And, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you're, you're talking there beautifully about um, some strategies as a leader being vulnerable. Yeah. Yes, so when exactly. we talk about a leader being vulnerable, there's some really simple ways um, as a leader, ask for feedback, feedback, ask for what we could have done better, ask for where's some holes in this idea mm-hmm. and let me know so we can make this even better. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess that comes back to, you know, how do you create a safe space? You got to model it. Mm. So it takes courage and vulnerability as a leader to say, I'm going to admit what I don't do very well. I'm yep. going to admit when I made a mistake or when I made a, a call that ah, I would probably redo if I could. Um, I, I worked with a, a leader a few years ago who realized that the leader he had just taken over from um, didn't do a great job of creating a safe space. Um, and I suppose we didn't really call it safe space at the time, but he, what he realized is this culture is out of whack and I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And so because he was coming from a strengths perspective, as we were working together, he said, uh, all right, I'm just going to figure out how to use my strengths to create an environment where people feel willing to talk to me. Mm. And for him, it really had, it came back to one-on-one connections. And so it was beyond the one-on-one like corporate meetings that they would have, you know, like they still have their sit in the office, have your one-on-one like, Hey, what's going on with this project stuff. But also then, uh, they started to have regular coffee dates. So once a week, this leader would go with one person on a coffee date and they would talk about whatever, everything. Yeah. We'd get the background about that person so that they, he knew you know, what, what they were going through in their life that might be mm. also impacting what was happening. Um, and pretty soon, people started on his team started asking, hey, who are you taking out on that coffee date this week? You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it's, it, it just started to create a culture that was different than what he had been handed off. And he did it just one week at a time by having real vulnerable conversations and starting off uh, his leadership and his, the conversations by saying, this is, what, this is what I do well, this is what I don't do well, and I need you guys to help fill in the blanks for me. Um, mm-hmm. And by having those one-on-ones, he could kind of figure out where could they help fill in those blanks and ask them to really step up in those areas. Um, I like that ownership that he took and, and how he matched that to his strengths. Obviously, um, I'm hearing some relator and uh, mm. come out there. Of course. Some relationship building. Yep. Um, domain, I would say. Might be familiar well. with that one. <laughs> yes, I, I maybe, maybe. <laughs> but as you said, he's, he said, how can I, in what I know is my way, my approach, my talents, to rebuild and improve the culture here? Yeah. yeah. And he started taking action. Yep. The thing I think that's really important in that as well is the authenticity with which someone does that. Mm. And that's obviously a strengths-based approach is coming from who you are at your core. Yeah. Um, but what I also think about is how important it is in that situation for a leader to speak in a line with the one-on-one conversations when he's then talking to people day-to-day as part of normal sort of operations as well, as business yeah. as usual. Um, because I think that's where sometimes leaders can get tripped up where it's like sit down and it's like, Oh, Becky, how are you? How's things going? But then, you know, later on the day, it's like, where are you up with that report? I need that report right now. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, David, my husband had a boss that he worked for that was like, he called it the abusive father. He never knew because it was like, uh, 
one day it was like glowing, happy stuff. And then the next day it was about the product and it was like, you know, exactly what you're saying. Where this, is this thing? You know, like, uh, ah. <laughs> um, and, and, and not to say that, you know, sometimes things are priority and things need to be done urgently, but how you communicate that as a leader in a way, which again, creates a safe space. Yeah. Cause that doesn't sound like a safe space when you're being abused. No, well, it's no, not, not, not no. at all. <laughs> yeah. And I, I unfortunately think a lot of people leave their roles hmm. and leave organizations like, cause organizations they work for because they don't feel safe. Yeah. They yeah. don't feel, um, comfortable they don't feel that it's okay that to be as you said be themselves have that freedom and to feel okay at work yeah yeah that is so true and you know the the research out of Gallup that they just published in their book it's the manager you know talks about how if someone leaves your organization it's mostly your fault you know as their manager it's even if they say uh, well, you know, my spouse relocated or this other job offers me more money, or I just kind of needed to change. 70% of the reason it is attributed to their relationship with their manager and people will stick around for you and they yes. will also leave because of you. Mm. I also think that even if, um, people, you know, let's just say there's a reason that their, their partner is moving interstate. And of yeah. course that that's driving <laughs> and to be with your partner. Right. Um, but there's such an opportunity to say, okay, what can I learn from this person to help me improve as a leader and ask those questions and be open to what they've got to say. And I mean, if you think a really strong culture, you wouldn't be waiting for those moments. You'd be having those conversations earlier as well. But you know, whenever anyone is leaving your business, it provides an opportunity for you to reflect and to look at how we can do things better. Yeah. And, and it kind of takes that authority bias out a little bit that yeah. fact, cause they're like, well, you're no longer going to be my boss. So I can talk to you about these things a little bit more freely perhaps. Mm. So I don't have a stat for you around America. All right. I, yes. But I have a stat for you around um, mental health. Okay. And the stat is that mental health costs Australian businesses about $5 billion a year. Wow. And so what, it, what's, what do they say mental health is? Just like ha- how well you feel from an overall mental perspective? So uh, here's the thing. They're actually estimating that absenteeism costs $4.7 billion, wow. Presenteeism costs $6.1 billion, And then you're into some other ones. So just between those two, we're over $10 million. Um, so absenteeism obviously is people physically not at work and that's due to mental health reasons. Uh, Presenteeism, I'm physically at work, but I'm not mentally and emotionally here. I'm not, yeah. I'm not properly showing up again. Um, uh, what is good is in society, mental health is getting a much better focus and for people to speak about it in a much safer way, but still the cost to individuals and businesses is huge. Yeah. And as leaders, we have a role to play in creating a culture where people do feel okay to talk about these things, but also that if the work environment is con- contributing to that mental well-being, we need to do something about that as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and certainly we 
we know that we can, you know, go through seasons of different stressors, but also mm. we can be creating a culture of stress. Um, and, and it takes a toll on, on you, even if it doesn't qualify as, um, extreme mental, um, illness, it, 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 it still creates an environment that you then bring home to your family, a weight that you, that it doesn't feel free and light. It feels heavy and burdensome. Um, and so it not only impacts your, your organization, but it has this like kind of ripple effect out into every employees, everyone, every team members circle of influence, the culture you create impacts those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very right. uh, long, long reaching. Yeah. Well, and I think as you're sort of hinting at there, there's the, um, the mental health um, aspect of depression, um, but then there's also just sadness and yeah. melancholy and disconnected and disengaged mm -hmm. and not like feeling. Burnout, right? We talked about burnout. that earlier. Like that's, it's now a diagnosable um, aspect of, of mental health. Yeah. Um, so some key takeaways you think for leaders to consider to create a safe space, if there was like the things to take action on, and you mentioned some fantastic ones earlier. What do you think are some of those ones that um, really would help leaders move forward? You know, I think the, the first place to start, like we've talked about, is with your own self-awareness. So doing a, um, a self-awareness inventory, like do I know how I come across, how I show up, how I'm contributing to a, a place, a, a space that's safe or not, um, and then a kind of organizational cultural awareness analysis of like, okay, when I look around, what's, what's happening? Um, are people working together? Are people admitting their mistakes? Are people getting defensive or, um, are they working together to solve problems? Um, and then I think there's, there's this other piece of, do people come to you? Do people come to you to tell you what's going on in their lives? Um, you know, we don't want to be entrenched as leaders in what's going on in their lives, but we do need to know because those things, we're not siloed people. You know, we've talked about that before. We yeah. all, uh, our lives live collaboratively um, with, you know, work and home and all those things live together. So are they coming and telling you or are you kind of hearing it third hand from somebody who told somebody who happened to mention it to you? Mm -hmm. um, if they're coming to tell you, then that's a, that's a good sign that you're starting to create an environment where people feel free. Um, and if they're not, ask yourself why, um, you know, do they, proactively talk to you about um, their projects that are or are not going well. And then, then pause for a minute and think to yourself, how do I respond? What's my initial response in my head? And do I really say that out loud? Um, and, and do those things, those, do those things match? I think that's a really important point, the power in that pause. And without that pause, it could be very ego driven. Why aren't you talking to me? Blah, blah, blah. But actually having that pause and thinking about, how can I actually create a culture which is safe and own the level of uh, contribution that I've provided where this person isn't coming to me yeah. and now approach that in a different way. So they do feel safer to do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the last thing is, are you as a leader modeling mm. safety, which takes courage, vulnerability. It takes you showing up and telling them what's going on in your life. What's them, what's 
what's happening in the projects that you're the lead on um, and where you did well and we can celebrate and where you might have done something differently and would do some, would do it differently in, in the future as well. So when you're modeling it, it starts to have a ripple effect as well as to, Oh, he, she's doing it as my leader. I guess that means it's safe for me to do that as well. Yeah. Great. Totally agree. I think there's some really tangible small things that people can do and it does take courage. Yeah. But uh, when you start those, uh, there'll be a, a, a build on that courage and that confidence that comes from each time you have those conversations, ask those questions and create that space. Yep. Totally yeah. agree. Thank you, Becky, for your insights for this conversation. It's been so valuable, I think, to share um, with people today about the role in leaders and creating a safe space and what you've uh, just talked through is some real simple strategies. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here and glad we got to have these last four conversations together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a, um, a great day. And uh, again, thanks for your time. Yep. See you soon. Bye. Ah, so leaders who give a damn series is coming to a close and today was an important one. Creating that safe space. Leaders that others are excited to work for and to follow truly care about creating a safe space. They understand the impact that their presence and their approach as a leader has, and they are intentionally trying to build a culture of trust. So as your virtual coach today, I challenge you, ask yourself some of those questions. Are you modeling what it looks like to be vulnerable and creating a, tr a trust in that space? And, and do your people come to you with their challenges, their failures, or do they stand off? When you answer these questions, you really start to get an idea of the type of safety that you're creating in your team and in your culture. You know, often yourself as a leader, it's kind of hard to assess. Am I really a leader who gives a damn, who cares about the people, who really inspires them to follow? So Murray and I put together a leaders who give a damn quiz to help you zero in on where you are at as a leader. Are you a leader who gives a damn or are you somewhere along the spectrum? After you get your result, you also get a custom report that talks about your leadership style and some specific action steps that you can take to take your leadership to the next level. So you can pop over to that quiz at leaderswhogiveadam.com slash quiz. Again, that's www.leaderswhogiveadam.com slash quiz. And as a leader who gives a damn or you're on your way, you can be part of creating thriving lives, families, and workplaces across the entire world. Because when you orient your mind towards what's strong about you and the people around you, and then you truly care about them, great things happen. And hey, also, could you help spread this message? If you believe in the strengths perspective or part of you was impacted by this conversation about leadership, about safe places, would you head over to iTunes and leave a rating? And if you're feeling inspired, a short little fewer review there would also be helpful as well. So thanks so much in advance for helping get the word out about leaders who give a damn. And thanks for being with Murray and I today and the past several episodes. And I hope you join me for more next time on Isogo TV.